Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. Thanks very much, Nick. Uh, Keep if you want to go back to, to Chronicles, that would be a good place to go. Uh, uh, and again, Happy New Year to everyone here this morning, both in person and online. Um, before I start, I want you to turn again to the person next to you. It's, it's the first day of 2023. It's like goal setting time. It's like resolution. It's revolution day. Um, turn to the person next to you and I don't know, maybe share with them a resolution you've come to for the new year. Or if you're not into it, just ask the person next to you, do you make resolutions? and see what they do. Um, I'm going to give you about a minute to do that. So turn to the person next to you, talk about your resolutions, your goals for 2023, if you have any. Go, have a crack. Alrighty, alrighty folks, let's come back together. Uh, you, don't, you don't have to share your resolutions or your goals, but uh, who's, who's, show of hands, who's a, who's a resolution person, who's a goal setter? Yeah, Lockie, makes sense for you brother. Yeah. Um, that kind of guy. Anyone else? Anyone resolutions? Everyone's made enough, busted them too early and never going back again. Is that pretty much the way? Oh well, oh well. We're going to, uh, we're going to open up God's Word. Um, at this time of year, the end of one year and the beginning of another, plenty of us, yeah, I think like most, a lot of people are thinking about New Year's resolutions or at least kind of the idea of establishing new rhythms for the new year. For some people, it may be kind of establishing a revolution in their life, a total sort of 180. We're always trying to come up with, aren't we, um, something better than short-term goals that sort of just fade away. We ask ourselves, what am I seeking when it comes to my relational goals, to my financial goals or my vocational goals? It's a time when we map out all the things we want in the coming year. But there's something I think we rarely ask, at least I rarely ask it, and it's this. What is God seeking? God is a seeking God and there are things he is looking for in the world and looking for from his people. So instead of, uh, I don't know, we often roll here at City Light Church North Adelaide through January through some Psalms, but also instead of a sort of typical new you for a new year series where we talk about faith, finances, friendship, fitness and forgiveness, all of which are pretty good topics I reckon, we're going to ask, what is God looking for? Rather than what do we want, what does he want for our lives? And so across the five Sundays of January, we're going to discover that God is a God who is seeking our hearts. He's seeking the lost. He's seeking worshippers. He's seeking ambassadors. And he's also seeking intercessors, people who pray. And we're going to kick off this series this morning, January 1, 2023, by looking at the life of King Asa, an Old Testament king who shows us one of the most important things that God is actually seeking. And here's what it is. God is seeking people whose hearts are fully his. God is seeking people whose hearts are fully his. And we're going to use King Asa's life as like a case study of the power of wholehearted devotion to Yahweh, to God, but also to see the dangers of half-heartedness. The reason I like case studies um, is not because I was a physiotherapist and we did lots of case studies in order to learn how to be a physiotherapist before I was a pastor. 
One of the things I love about case studies is they give us some distance from an actual event or something that's happened that helps us understand and therefore discern lessons that we can know from them. Um, Early last year, I watched the Netflix documentary series about 9-11, which was released sort of following the 20th anniversary of that quite horrific event. It was a behind-the-scenes look at the, the media who followed President Bush around with all the action connected to that particular event. It was really interesting to look back at what they were thinking about, how they responded, why they did what they did, and then extrapolate lessons and wisdom from it for down the track. There's power in doing case studies and looking at issues, learning lessons from them. I know maybe you know, you'd never watched the Netflix documentary series about 9-11. Uh, maybe you're a sports fan and for you it was the last dance looking at the life of Michael Jordan. What made Michael Jordan the Jordan, right? So we're going to learn from King Asa, his life, what it means to have wholehearted devotion to God. That's what God wants. And then the dangers of half-heartedness. Now, across chapters 14 through 16, 14, 15, 16 of two chronicles, there's a literary device that's used, and it's called a chiasm, right? 2023, chiasms. I'm not really massively into chiasms, but hey, it's the new year. Um, We get to start 2023 with a chiasm, which is this. Um, If you have a look at the screen, this is a chiasm. So this is across chapters 14, 15, and 16 of two chronicles. What it's doing here is showing us, over three chapters, the outline of Asa's life. It's, It's what his life looks like, firstly, when he's wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. And then it's what it looks like when he's half-hearted. You can see there on the, on the, on the screen, it's like there's this build-up to the climax when he's in this you know, great relationship with God. And then the bottom half is these sort of steps backwards, steps of decline that happen when we lose our devotion and commitment to the Lord. So today I want to talk about what wholeheartedness looks like, briefly the dangers of half-heartedness, and think, then think about how we can become a wholehearted church in 2023, the kind of church God is seeking. So let's jump in. Um, if you're a note taker, here's point one. What does it look like to be wholehearted? The first thing we see from the life of King Asa is in his wholehearted life, this is the mark we see of his wholeheartedness. It is repentance and reformation. We see repentance from King Asa and reformation. Um, have a look what it says, 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verses 2 to 6. You can look at it in your word in front of you. It's on the screen. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. He removed the foreign altars and the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, and to obey his laws and commands. He removed the high places and the incense altars in every town in Judah, and the kingdom was at peace under him. He built up the fortified cities of Judah since the land was at peace. No one was at war with him during those years, for the Lord God gave him rest." Just briefly, the history of what was happening before King Asa came to the throne is that he inherited a a nation, a kingdom that was in serious spiritual decline. God's people were in decline, a, a decline that had sort of built up or kind of gone downwards under the reigns of Solomon, Rehoboam and Abijah. 
And so he's inherited a position of power, but those who've held power before him have not honoured God in their hearts. The result? The land is filled with idolatry and it's filled with compromise. Do you see it in the text? In every town in Judah. Every town was drawn into compromise and half-heartedness. So the first thing he does when he gets to power, he says, I want to be a leader whose whole heart is given over to the Lord. So he ruthlessly goes after the idols and all the compromise. It's a really beautiful principle and a great picture that when the Spirit of God is in you, he doesn't give us rest or peace if we're tolerating sin. The Spirit is working in your life. He will call you to repentance and reformation in areas of half-heartedness of your life. I remember so clearly um, when I became a Christian um, over about 22 years ago now, it was such a disorientating time when I became a Christian because my life was filled with sin and rebellion and total dysfunction. But here's the thing, I didn't notice it at the time. I just thought it was living life. But when the Holy Spirit entered my life, I felt this kind of, I don't know, primal conflict inside me. I felt the jealousy of God for my heart. Why? Because the Spirit of God, God himself, is jealous for us. So I felt the jealous love of God going kind of room by room through my heart, through my life, and through my whole house. I remember experiencing kind of reformation in my speech, my use of alcohol, how I viewed sex, I remember a reformation of, 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 of what I viewed on TV. When I became a Christian, there was no such thing as Netflix. But if there was, I think it would have been like signing up for pure flicks. I don't know if that's such a thing. This massive revolution in what I viewed and took in. I remember like all these things that grieved God, they were sort of ready to be smashed and got rid of. I remember going through my finances and noticed that all my spending and my accumulation was about, number one, me. I had to repent about how I used my money. Spirit went through room by room by room. I, honored, I wanted to honour God in every part of my life. When God gets hold of your heart, he goes room by room and he calls for repentance and reformation because he is seeking your whole heart. Second sign of wholehearted devotion to God that we see in the life of Asa is dependence and prayer. King Asa, after a period of time, faces a very significant leadership threat, even an existential threat. He's threatened by a guy named Zerah the Cushite. So in 2 Chronicles 14 and verse 8 and follow, following, we read about the pressures that Asa is under that test his heart. Verse 8, chapter 14. Asa had an army of 300,000 men from Judah, equipped with large shields and with spears and 280,000 from Benjamin, armed with small shields and with bows. All these were brave fighting men. Zerah, the Cushite, marched out against them with an army of thousands upon thousands and 300 chariots and came as far as Marashah. Asa went out to meet him and they took up battle positions in the valley of Zephthar near Marashah. You can see the conflict, yeah? His repentance and his reformation has led to this Time of profound peace. God blessed his repentance with peace. But resistance came to trouble the kingdom. Even though he was a very competent kind of leader, he had a great army, a greater foe challenges him, and he has to figure out how to respond. 
So he marches out, and this is what we see, an indicator of wholeheartedness. Asa doesn't just purely depend on material stuff. Check out the prayer that Asa prays when he's under pressure from verse 11 of chapter 14. In the midst of this conflict, massive army in front of him, Asa called to the Lord his God and said, Lord, there is none like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. And what's the response? God hears the prayer of King Asa, verse 12. The Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. The Cushites fled, and Asa and his army pursued them as far as Gerar. Such a great number of Cushites fell that they could not recover. They were crushed before the Lord and his forces. The men of Judah carried off a large amount of plunder. Here's an interesting principle about wholeheartedness. I think if you were to sit down, right, with King Asa and, and interview the guy and say, like, hey, Asa, King Asa, how, what were you feeling at that moment when you were staring down the might of the Cushites? How did you feel when you, you'd obeyed God and he'd given you peace and now that peace is threatened? What was going through your mind, Asa? What was in your heart at that moment? I think his answer would be, well, in that moment, I turn to God in prayer because I rely on him. You know, you and I don't know what our hearts truly value until what we love is threatened. When what you love is threatened, it will reveal what you're relying on in your life. Stress and pressure are great revealers of what we fear and then where we place our trust and our confidence. Asa, in this moment, he's wholehearted because when disaster threatens, he doesn't rely on himself alone, but turns to God in prayer. I think this is one of the areas where God has been testing his church over kind of recent years. With all the stress in our culture, with all the stress in our personal lives, one of the things God is asking us is, is your heart fully mine? Where do we go when we're under stress? Got me thinking, it's amazing how at the start of the pandemic, March 2020, kind of for us, which by God's grace was now a long time ago, it, was, it, just, it, it struck me that as the pandemic sort of took over the world, there was so much prayer. Remember that? So much crying out to God in prayer. There were 24-7 prayer vigils. There were well-known pastors around the globe building coalitions of prayer across the world. Where's it all gone? Where has all the prayer gone? Where's all the dependence on God gone? Soon as things began to look up economically, as soon as the vaccine arrived and then rolled out, as soon as the political landscape here in Australia and internationally kind of settled down a bit, everything was stabilised, all of our reliance seemed to go back to ourselves. What happened? Our church right now, this one, this, our church, City Light Church North Adelaide, we have challenges. We have challenges. We need good governance and leadership to help us into the future. We have challenges. We are a community here at City Light Church North Adelaide which is really transient. 
People come in and people go. People drift in and people drift out. We have challenges. We simply don't have enough people serving and contributing to our ministry teams, let alone so they can like, grow and thrive. We just need more people. There have been times throughout the past year where I've thought we could do with a better building. There's a challenge, one with gas and heating. Not that we really need heating on a day like today, but maybe one with air conditioning. That would be nice. I think there's a challenge as we grow and, and want to reach the world, reach the city with the good news of Jesus. Maybe there's a challenge we need a better building. We need, another challenge is we need to pass on what God has done in our lives individually, what God has done in our church collectively to the generations that are coming up below us. Right now, thousands and thousands of young people across Australia leave church every year. How do we make sure that doesn't happen here? Another challenge is we need to better love and care for those experiencing anxiety and experiencing other forms of mental ill health. And the list kind of goes on and on and on. But let me say this, these problems will not simply be solved by appointing a women's pastor, Ellen Burford. No, over there, congratulations. Ellen's joining us in January uh, on the 15th to join us. All of our challenges, all of our problems, all of the things we're facing will not be simply solved by our own human leadership or our natural abilities. We need to seek God. We need to ask God like never before. And I hope at City Light Church North Adelaide, church from my heart, I hope that as the pressure increases on our church internally, externally, as the world doesn't like us very much, I hope and I pray that it causes us to depend on God more and more and more. Dependence and prayer. The third thing we see, wholehearted people, wholehearted Asa responds to the word of God. He values it deeply. Again, imagine the scenario. You sit down with King Asa. He's just had this amazing victory. God's acted by grace on his behalf. But in the very next scene, a prophet of God comes in and brings a message to him. It says this, 2 Chronicles chapter 15, verse 1. The Spirit of God came on Azariah, son of Obed, Oded. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God, without a priest to teach and without the law. But in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, and he was found by them. In those days, it was not safe to travel about, for all the inhabitants of the lands were in great turmoil. One nation was being crushed by another, one city by another, because God was troubling them with every kind of distress. But as for you, be strong, do not give up, for your work will be rewarded. A prophet comes right after the moment of victory and spurs King Asa on, keep seeking the Lord. What does Asa do? Verse eight, when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Oded, the prophet, he took courage. He removed the detestable idols from the whole land of Judah and Benjamin and from the towns he had captured in the hills of Ephraim. He repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the portico of the Lord's temple. It's extraordinary. God has blessed Asa with more territory and what does he do with it? Following the words of the prophet, he goes and brings reformation and revival to the new territory that God has entrusted him with. He could have shrunk back. He could have got lazy. He could have become complacent. But he's stirred up by this prophetic word from the Lord. Verse 9, 
Then he assembled all Judah and Benjamin and the people from Ephraim, Manasseh and Simeon, who had settled among them, for large numbers had come over to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. Another important principle, when you're wholehearted for the Lord, the word of God gives you courage and it gives you confidence. When you're walking in step with the Spirit, you often live a life that doesn't make sense to other people around you. You live in a way that kind of provokes half-hearted people. You live in such a way where you kind of doubt yourself. You go, whoa, am I being a little bit too, like, OTT? A little bit too zealous? But when you're wholehearted, the word of God causes us to press on, not to shrink back, to have courage. When you're wholehearted, the word of God gives us confidence and courage. And so in 2023, will we, as a church, be open to the word of God, trusting in God's promises, stepping out, not shrinking back, but with courage and confidence? I hope so. And this ultimately, all of this leads Asa to a wholehearted covenant, a relationship. It's almost like these things are growing, like God is taking him through the school of wholeheartedness. He starts with the simple step of giving everything over to God, getting right with God. Then he learns lessons of depending on God when under pressure. He then learns to obey the word of God when God speaks, leading to him to make a wholehearted covenant with God. So King Asa in this moment realises the moment that he's in, he calls everyone together, emboldened by the word of God. He speaks to the assembled people. Chapter 15, verse 10. They assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of Asa's reign. At that time, they sacrificed to the Lord 700 head of cattle and 7,000 sheep. Wow. And goats from the plunder they had brought back. They entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their ancestors, with all their heart and soul. All who would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, would be put to death, whether small or great, man or woman. They took an oath of the Lord with loud acclamation, with shouting and with trumpets and with horns. All Judah rejoiced about the oath because they'd sworn it wholeheartedly. They sought God eagerly, and he was found by them. So the Lord God gave them rest on every side. Can you picture the the jubilation and the joy, shouting and horns and celebrating? The the only way I can really picture this in this moment is when I was in Melbourne, 2019. Seems like a long time ago. Um, 2019 when my beloved Richmond Tigers won the grand final. Um, Smashed the opposition. I remember almost like shortly after all the, you know, trophy giving and you know laps of honor and things like that Um, we finally made our way down all the richmond supporters we made our way down to the main street of richmond which is like literally just next to the mcg in melbourne and when we got to the main street of like of, of richmond it was like the neighborhood exploded there were thousands of people on the streets yellow and black everywhere people were crying people who'd never met each other were hugging each other and promising to you know give everything away, horns honking, trumpets blowing, flags waving. The neighbourhood was in this neighbourhood-wide jubilation. That's my goal for 2023, that Richmond wins another flag. No, it was huge. It was amazing. This is the emotional tone here. We're in covenant relationship with the one true God, and he's for us. There's this sense of joy and whole hearts given over to the Lord. 
Have a look, King Asa also disposed his grandmother, Marka, from her position as queen mother because she had made a repulsive image for the worship of Asherah. Asa cut it down, broke it up, and burned it in the Kidron Valley. I think you know, right, that you're fully devoted and wholehearted and zealous for the Lord when you go up to your grandmother and kind of just like boot her out. You know, I'm not saying do that in 2023, by the way. But even family members. Verse 17, although he did not remove the high places from Israel, Asa's heart was fully committed to the Lord all his life. He brought into the temple of God the silver and gold and the articles that he and his father had dedicated. There was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. His covenant was marked by sacrifice and acknowledgement. They even took the plunder they'd received from the victory that God had given them and they offered it back in joyful, grateful sacrifice. I want us to see this. This covenant was rooted not simply in acknowledging God, but it was rooted in seeking God with all their heart and their soul. Ask Asa again in a post-life interview, what was it like at this point in your life when you sought God and followed his ways? What was it like? I think he would say it was incredible. What was it like when you faced that threat, the Cushites, when the army was bearing down on you? I think he'd say it was, it was a bit terrifying, but it was glorious, the victory. What did it sound like, Asa, in Jerusalem when you made that covenant with God? I think he would say it was amazing. Like, I've never been part of anything like it in my life. Those memories, they'll stay with me all my days. Now, you'd think, right, that this repentance and reformation and dependence and victory and covenant covenant affirmation, you'd think the next thing you'd read about Asa would be, and Asa reigned faithfully with his God. But that doesn't happen. He enters a place of peace and prosperity, and in the midst of the peace and prosperity, something happens. It's actually a great warning for us in our own times of peace and prosperity. He forgot God. And so we think about the dangers of half-heartedness. He became, over time, desensitized to the wonder of being in relationship with the living God. He forgot who God was and kind of forgot what God had done for him. He got entitled and proud. He relied on himself. He became half-hearted. In a nutshell, and we're not going to explore it in huge detail, but 2 Chronicles chapter 16 is really a picture of the dangers of half-heartedness. He depends more on people than he does on God, turning and trusting earthly allies as opposed to trusting Yahweh. Rather than trusting the word of God, Asa grows to despise and resist the truth of God, taught to him by wholehearted people. Asa, who in the first half of his life, you know, the first part of the chiasm, just loved the word of God, listened to the word of God, obeyed it, stirred up by it, courage and confidence. Second half, he resists it. His heart is hardened against the word. And towards the end of Asa's life, he becomes really unwell. And in the midst of his sickness, he refuses to seek God and becomes consumed with himself. In these three chapters about the life of Asa, 
Seeking God is mentioned nine times. And at the end of his life, he refuses to seek God. Here's the closing statement, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 12. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was afflicted with a disease in his feet. Though his disease was severe, even in his illness, he did not seek help from the Lord, but only from the physicians. Then in the 41st year of his reign, Asa died and rested with his ancestors. That's the closing line. Asa, how's it going? Mate, got problems with my feet. I think it's gout. Have you prayed about it? I'm not looking to God to help me with my feet. I'm talking to the doctors. Yeah, but what about the God of your ancestors? You're the one you've talked so much about, the one who gave you victories and peace and the one who gave you favour. You're the one who is over all things in heaven and on earth. Yeah, but my feet really hurt. It's amazing how half-hearted people can become consumed with personal problems in unable to lift their eyes to the Lord. When you're half-hearted, when we're half-hearted, the smallest things can push out and silence God in our lives. It's a tragedy. And if you're sitting here this morning, January 1st, 2023, and you're thinking, honestly, Asa, come on. Why did you do it, mate? Instead of judging King Asa, I think it's good for us to ask the question, what's the state of our hearts at the beginning of the year. And to me, this is what I'm interested in, becoming a wholehearted church in 2023. You see, I don't read this part of the Bible and think, oh, how could he? I read it and I think I could possibly do that this year. You know, Asa saw and experienced so much victories and dependence and prayer and provision and peace and prosperity and still he was seduced and he checked out who are we to think that we'd be any different who am i to think that i'd be any different so the first thing i want to call us to church in 2023 is to resolve to be diligent this year dr tony evans says this quote Past spiritual victory does not guarantee future spiritual success. Let me say it again. Past spiritual victory does not guarantee future spiritual success. Committing ourselves afresh to God's agenda is a day-to-day experience. That's why it's good for us, brothers and sisters, to be in the Word each day, even for a few minutes. And I can tell you, right, as a leader, one thing that shakes me to the core, as a Christian leader, and kind of sends, makes my knees knock, one thing that shakes me is that most of my mentors and leaders who I've looked up to have actually failed in the second part of their life. I don't judge them. But I've just got to think, I've got to make sure that any seeds of my own half-heartedness don't get sown in 2023. Got to resolve to be a wholehearted, devoted man of God for the glory of God, for the good of you, brothers and sisters, and for my own life. You know, we sing that song, don't we, from time to time, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. 
prone to leave the God I love? Take my heart, Lord. Seal it for thy courts above. We're prone to leave the God we love. I'm prone to leave the God we love. And so we've got to guard our hearts. So I want to call us to be a church that's resolved to be diligent, that we'll be wholehearted people. Second thing, I want us to call, I want to call us to identify any division in our hearts. Our heart is so important in our Christian walk. The primary war in the Christian life, in your Christian life, is the war for the allegiance of your heart. You know, a sick heart stops the whole body. You can live without a leg. You can live without an arm. You can live without one of your kidneys. But you cannot live without a heart. And that's why we need to pray what the psalmist prays in Psalm 86. You are great and you do marvellous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. Give me an undivided heart. An undivided heart is the goal. And we need to ask ourselves, is there anywhere in 2022, looking back, where I felt some division in my heart? Is there a gap between the private and the public in your life, in a gap between the world and the church, obedience and compromise? Ask God for help. The psalmist cries out, give me an undivided heart. It doesn't say, find deep within yourself an undivided heart. No, come to God. Let's come to God and ask him for undivided hearts that depend on your faithfulness, God. Holy Spirit, create in me a clean heart. Strengthen my heart, Lord. And then renounce what is causing the division. I don't know if you noticed early on in the the section we've been looking at, chapter 14. Did you notice the intensity of Asa's language when he confronted the idols of the land? He removed, he smashed, he cut down. This is not a passive response to the love of God. This is a passionate response to the love of God. Is there anything in your life that's crept in that is drawing you away from wholehearted devotion to God? If there are things there, can we just like hand them over to God today? And lastly, I want to call us as a church to reignite our passion to seek God. Stir it up again. Let me be honest, and I think it's okay to be honest. I reckon as a church we've lost our fervency a bit. I feel that in myself. I said to Adele the other day, I said, Adele, I feel like I've become a professional Christian. You know, I, I, I get paid to do this job. And it really, it kind of rocked me, actually, brothers and sisters. I, I don't want to be a professional Christian. I want to be a worshipper. I want to be an ordinary Christian who first and foremost loves Jesus more than anything else. And part of it is, I think I've lost my fervency. It's, and I think we as a church maybe have lost our fervency. It's been hard. Lots of change. Some stress. I mean, heck, there's been a global pandemic. But we're not called to simply sit back and cruise. We're not called to simply sit back and simply only react to what happens in the world around us or in the culture around us. We're called to seek first the kingdom. 
We are to burn with a longing for God, not just to know him, but to delight in him. There's a Christian scholar and author who I really love, his name's Michael Reeves. Mike Reeves, if you're looking for anything to read in 2023, get your hands on Mike Reeves' books. They are wonderful because what he calls us to as God's people is not simply just to know stuff about God, but to actually the stuff that we know about God leading to joy and delight in him. I love it. I want to know that joy afresh. And here's why it's important, because a half-hearted response to God is an inappropriate response to a whole-hearted God who loves you. God is not half-hearted towards you, brothers and sisters, towards me. God emptied the treasury of heaven for us. The cross is not a half-hearted expression of God's love and his salvation. God is all in. He is all in. This is the God who's not spared any expense to seek your heart. We are in relationship with a passionate, loving, seeking God who's given everything for you and asks that we would reciprocate with our whole lives. He's redeemed us. He's rescued us from sin. He's given us a new heart. He's given us a new future. He's given us eternal life. His very spirit, great and precious promises to contend for in these days. And he says, I want you to love me back with your whole heart. And as I close, I don't, I don't just want to get through 2023. I don't want to simply rely on human resources. I long for us to be a wholehearted church in 2023. A church fully consecrated to God. Before we sing, I just want to give you a moment to respond. Just bow your head or wherever you're sitting and just come before God. Is there anything in my life that I'm dragging with me from 2022 that's preventing me from being a wholehearted follower of Jesus in this new year? Lord, I want to give you my whole life. I want to be undivided. Maybe there are idols in your life that you need to lay before the Lord and remove and smash and crush. Give me an undivided heart that I might fear your name. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church slash North Adelaide.